Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Music of Life Church podcast. We are going to be discussing the destructive thinking episode. My name is Pastor Jonathan Fries. I am here with Pastor Joel. What we want to try to do is we're going to try to break down this episode so that you can help people who've been hurt by this topic. If you haven't heard it in What the Flock, give it a listen. What did you think about this episode, Pastor Joel? I thought it was great. I think this is an important topic to to understand as it relates to how we're wired. And uh, it's just another area where it's it just seems in response to talking about this stuff. It just seems glaringly obvious the huge contradictions that so many of us hold to be true. Like Pastor Tater's phone call, identifying this massive contradiction with this idea of being totally depraved really is just an excuse for my destructive behavior. But how anybody who believes that should never be affirmed for anything good they've ever done. Right. But the entire reason I adhere to the totally depraved doctrine is because I want to feel good about myself. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's essentially, it's not my fault. Not even essentially it, it really is taking any fault away from me, any responsibility I have away from me for my depravity. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. It was one of the things that I really felt like st- stuck out in the episode was that uh the this whole blaming god if i'm totally depraved it's it's god's fault yes he didn't he he must not have given me a good enough brain he must not have made me good enough i'm totally depraved means there's nothing i can do about it yeah there's not there's there's nothing there's nothing redeemable there's just i'm and again, I always go back to, I love when we're talking about definitions. What do you mean by this? So would you give us an overview of both sides of the discussion, Pastor Joel? Sure. So the, the strict side is this totally depraved side. It's the, there is no good in you, yep. you're evil. No one's good. No, not one, which those are Bible verses people use. But like we see, especially on the strict side. The strict side tends to be the people who love throwing these Bible verses out without having an accurate interpretation or maybe without interpreting it at all. Mm. They just focus on what it says because it supports a belief they hold to be true, regardless of whether or not it is true. And the loose side or the freedom side, we would call it in this in this podcast, is I'm good. Yep. Like, and why? Because my intentions are good. And I've dealt with this so many times, trying to deal with people who are being destructive and they are constantly ignoring the behavior and the impact it's had on them and the impact it's had on others by constantly focusing back onto the intentions. Yes, but we... we tried to help people. And I've honestly, I've had conversations that 
it was like just going in circles because I, I would have to say multiple times, I hear you and mm. I believe you. I believe your intentions were good. I believe you were trying to help people. Do you see that the behavior didn't help? And that's where they ignore. It's it's funny. They'll just go right back to the intentions. Again, I shouldn't say the word funny because it's disheartening. Right. It can be really frustrating. So it'd be the, the strict side is totally depraved. The loose side is you're good. Because you have good intentions. Because of your intentions. Yeah. So, okay, let's stay, let's stay on the loose side. Have you ever heard someone say that they want the benefit of the doubt? Like, my intentions were good in your experience. And have you ever seen them look, actively look at the intentions of other people to prove what they did? you know, their intentions. I have not seen that. And what I, what I see is the people who are focused on their own intentions don't give the same benefit of the doubt to others. Usually the people who I see give the benefit of the doubt to others are people who are really quick to admit when they are wrong. Mm -hmm. When, when I see somebody really quick to confess and repent for a behavior they did wrong, regardless of the intentions, those people tend to be the ones who are merciful to others and their behavior. I think it's interesting that both sides don't want to be confronted about the wrong that they're doing. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So this, the strict side is like, I'm totally depraved. Well, if you're totally depraved, then you shouldn't have an issue with me pointing out and areas that I see. You should expect that. Right. Right. So when someone goes, hey, that, that was wrong that you did that. You should go. Yeah, I was wrong. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I'm wrong all That's the time. That's all I do. That's all <laughs> I do is wrong. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I feel I'm, known. Yeah, I feel no. You know what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask God to give me the ability to handle, you know, that because I can't. Right. Yep. You know, where it's like, if you do hold that belief, shouldn't you value people showing you where you're depraved so that you can then ask God for more direction to handle the depravity within you? But wouldn't that be a good decision? Oh, yeah. And you can't make good decisions, right? Right. Because that's even the issue. Like being totally depraved means, I mean, I would say at the very least, you're showing an iota of wisdom when you say, Jesus, will you be my Lord? That's a pretty wise choice. That is a wise choice. Yeah. So that's where that contradiction just falls apart. You can't even make, even going to God for help would be out of the area of somebody who's totally depraved. Because you made a great decision. Yeah. Which again, though, it goes back to those, those people who believe that tend to also believe they had no control over whether or not God saved them anyways. Mm. 
Do you all the things, yeah. the hoops oh, we jump, the hoops we jump through to not be <laughs> wrong. And we, that, you, the, yeah. here, here's the, the biggest hoop we jump through to not be wrong. We say we're wrong all the time, but it's God's fault. You know what? I will go to this length to never have to admit I'm wrong. I'll say I'm always wrong. <laughs> that is just, whoa. Okay. Totally depraved. Wow. And if you, and if you're always wrong, then you didn't, you didn't choose to be wrong. You didn't choose to be this way. So it's yeah. just both of the sides in this argument are to avoid just stating that you're wrong yeah, or confessing and repenting. Both of the sides put the responsibility on someone else. And therefore I don't have the responsibility to confess and repent. And I'd even say if, uh, even further than that, where it's, I don't even want to consider that I could be forget about confessing and repenting. You know what? I'll confess and repent that I'm totally depraved, but yeah, that's not even my fault. That's just how I was created because of, well, Adam, again, it's Adam's fault, but this tends to be people who forget about confessing and repenting. I'm not even going to consider that I'm wrong. I don't even want to see that perspective. Oh man. And it just, it, it does it. It all goes back to the fact that I feel like people don't, uh, this is pride. People don't want to be confronted on their sin. Right. Because I think there is, it's like both of these sides, if I'm totally depraved then there's nothing I can do about it. And so therefore I'm a good person or, you know, I, I, I'm totally depraved. So therefore I'm not a bad person. I need someone else to save me. So I don't have the responsibility to be a better person. Right. Do you remember the first time you heard this stuff about being totally depraved? Yeah, I do. What was it? What was your, what was your response to it? Where were you at when you heard this stuff? I, was blessed to be in the situation I was because when I learned this totally depraved stuff combined with, you know, unconditional grace and limited atonement and all these other deterministic beliefs was at the same time I was learning the doctrine that a lot of what our podcast is founded on. Mm. So I was learning this stuff. This wasn't what I was being taught from the church I was a part of. It was, it was part of my journey of just educating myself about what, what Christians believe. So I feel bad for the people that this is all they've heard. That wasn't my story. My story was at the same time I'm understanding God's nature is right and just. The same time I'm understanding what free will is and how we have responsibility. I was also learning these other doctrine 
these man-made doctrines. So I was able to have the thought process I needed to stand against this deception and these destructive beliefs. And uh, yeah, so that was my experience. It was It was more more of an educational thing. So I never, I never really had to undo a bunch of this totally. I've never really had the total depravity belief that I've never held that to be true myself. Maybe, maybe because I always, I, I probably landed on the side of thinking too highly of myself more than ever being in the side of condemnation and thinking too low of myself, but Mm, sure. I'm glad I wasn't one of those people that this was what, what I was taught it meant to be a human. Cause that's a hard hurdle to jump over when you're, even if you are given the right information, a lot of these beliefs that people are taught in the church are really difficult to overcome <laughs> even when given the right answer. Yeah. When I was in the church, there was a pastor that said, I pray like an Arminian and I sleep like a Calvinist. Oh. So that what essentially he's saying is I pray like I have a choice. I pray like I have like your free prayers will. matter. Yeah, like it matters. Yeah. And I sleep like a Calvinist, meaning it doesn't, you know, really matter what I do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like and I just remember hearing stuff like this and going, oh, by the way, that pastor was involved with some really screwy stuff and ended up leaving his church and his entire flock and was gotten some serious trouble. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Right. It's essentially, I don't have responsibility yep. is now what I hear. But when that happened, And growing up in the church, there was just so many things that didn't make sense to me that I just stopped thinking about it. That was my response. My response was, I'm just not, I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to ask the hard questions anymore. No. I just get frustrated every time I do. Yeah. I just get stuck. Yep. And I just go around in a circle and a circle and a circle, but God's the best answer I have. So I'll just hold on to it. But that's where I just felt like I drifted. I would just drifted further and further away from God because it just didn't make sense. Like, I, I didn't get it. I don't think I drifted so far away that I'm just like, this is all, you know, garbage. But I think I drifted enough, uh, far enough away to feel very disconnected from, from God and, and really, and lost a lot of who I was in the process, but that's what I feel like those, those contradictions that a lot of our listeners and people out there are receiving, you can, it's either going to make you insane trying to process all these contradictions and not get, not get forward, or you're just going to have to stop thinking about it. But both of these lead to being destructive all of yeah. these contradictions that are present in our belief system will eventually cause us to be destructive. I can't know the answer. There is no answer. I'm not supposed to know the answer. I mean, all of those 
type of platitudes lead to self-justification. Yep. We are we are just humans. Why am I saying that? How does that? I want to be right. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's oh, that's, that's just so well. I have, you know, God has. I have a brain, and I have a human brain. It's like, what am I saying when I'm saying all of these things? Right. So when people say things like that, it is really important to take a step back and go, why are you saying that? Why are you emphasizing that your mind is finite? Yeah. Why are you because emphasizing? Because you want an excuse out from what you don't know. Yeah. And and get and finding out what their answer is to that question. Well, there's certain things, there are certain things that we can't know. I get that. But why are you saying that? Right. Does that answer to say that we have a finite brain, that we are destructive, you, that that's who we are. We are sinners. We are totally depraved. What is someone's response when they say that they're totally depraved, they're sinners, they have a human brain? Do, does that cause them to go so hard after Jehovah to find out, oh, good. to find out his answer, to really take his, to take, to get God's direction and God's grace? Is that their response? Like, when they're so depraved and so wrong and so finite and such a pile of garbage (laughs) that that causes them to just run after him with all of their being to live according to all and every word that proceeds out of his mouth. Like Jesus did because that's what Jesus did, right? Like Jesus followed every single word that came out of God's mouth. That's how he, that was one of the scriptures he quoted to defeat the devil. Yep. If people were to have that belief that we have human brains, that we totally suck, and their response is to just run after God with everything that they have, I might be a little more open and a little less salty when I hear people say, I'm totally depraved. I've never seen that response happen. I've ne- I have never seen it either. What I've seen is it's always been a statement made in response to something that I think the person feels insecure about. And it's led to the person feeling good about where they currently are. Mm-hmm. Not where they're going, not the growth they've managed. I'm totally depraved. I'm garbage. It just helps me feel good about the insecurities I have. Yeah, I like what you're saying. So if you heard people say that and it led them to having a greater fellowship with the Lord, <laughs> then maybe we'd feel better about these statements. But it's all it is self just it it's it's false humility. It's self because it's really self justification. It is. And which is from the destructive thought process. We talk a lot about rationalizing too, and we'll get to that in another, you know, rationalizing is the animal thought process, justifying when I'm doing and saying things to determine that and to state and to judge that I am right. That's from the destructive thought process. 
Hmm. That's from all the way on that side of the spectrum. So when Paul talks about, you know, now we see through a glass darkly or dimly, he's not saying, he's not saying that to justify being a human, is he? What, why is he saying that? I don't think Paul, I mean, there's, there's way too many times Paul is telling us the mystery has been revealed and how we ought to be living according to the spirit and pursuing the word of God and preaching and, you know, all scripture that's been given has been, you know, Holy spirit inspired all this stuff to, to say that Paul also said, you can't know this stuff and that you're, um, you're doomed to ignorance would be a contradiction. Right. And so we either need to say Paul wasn't taking direction from the Holy spirit when he was writing these letters. Therefore he's wrong because he's a human or we need to recognize we're attributing contradictions to God who is the author of these scriptures. Right. But anyways, mm-hmm. my point is I've heard that verse, the, I see dimly verses or we see dimly. And I'm not looking at the words right now, so I'm not going to try to interpret that specific passage. Yeah. But Paul would be quick to help us understand something more. I think he would want us to know our limitations as a human. Because he also says we, you know, knowledge puffeth up and we think not as we ought to, which means there is a right way to think. Mm -hmm. And Paul's always directing us towards that. I would say this. I believe Paul would never say that our own, human brain is an excuse for us to not pursue or to understand God and his word and his will. Mm -hmm. He'd say the opposite. We can know these things. We ought to know these things be transformed in the renewing of your mind. We're supposed to know God's will. And Paul's also very clear about the battle we face is our flesh And the battle we face is, you know, our own reasoning abilities. Mm -hmm. But just because I can't understand something or just because I have a hard time interpreting these things doesn't mean they can't be and doesn't mean they shouldn't be done the right way. So that would be my explanation behind that. That's awesome. Thank you. I think what's cool about talking about this topic is whenever someone does something wrong or they do something destructive. I think that their self-esteem, their confidence in who they are is immediately exposed. I think it's a, it's a great proof. It's a great measure to see how someone handles their wrong or when they're destructive, because that's what we're really talking about here with the destructive thought process. Someone did something destructive. Someone destroyed something someone did you know uh, and so what is their response to that so i think this is a great time to look at the self-esteem categories pastor joel and how this these two sides manifest themselves in the church so low self-esteem would be people who ignore it they ignore the wrong they do Mm -hmm. they 
they blame others. They don't take responsibility. They might not outright say, I'm right. But they sure aren't going to say I'm wrong. Mm. These people are going to ignore that. The, you know, the destructive thought process. You know, they'll focus on their intentions, right? I'm trying to help people. So if these people are shown you've been destructive, they'll go to their intentions. They won't admit they're wrong. The mid-self-esteem, they might, they might admit they're wrong. Mm. They, they, they may not know how to, what the right answer is or how to make up for it, though. Yeah. And these people tend to be at the, at the mercy of their thought process. They may not be in control. But when something bad happens... They tend to handle it well. Mm. So at mid self-esteem is like, I'll admit what I'm wrong, but I'm not, I don't know if I'm strong enough or have the, the self-esteem to actually try to intentionally find those areas within my life on purpose. Sure. Sure. But when it happens in response, in response, in response, I'll handle it well. And the high self-esteem people are going to be, not only will they confess and repent whenever they do something destructive, but they're actively looking for those areas in their thought process where they know they could stumble. And now these people, so the way our brains work, I'm going to do a really brief teaching on what the cause of the destructive behavior is and what we can do to overcome that proactively. We know in response, reactively it's confession and repentance. You do something, you destroy something, Admit you it destroyed it, it confess to it, and and rebuild it. That would be your repentance. Mm-hmm. But the way our brain works, there is the destructive thought process is when the part of our brain called the amygdala is running our brain. And what it does is it clouds over our conscious brain to the point where we can't think clearly. And that it's basically, you may have heard, it's the fight or flight response. Well, there's a third in fight, flight, or freeze. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, the restoration process teaches us in depth. What One little tool I'd want to give everybody is if there's areas in your life where you feel like you're triggering, where all of a sudden from you go from zero to 100, something happens to you. And all of a sudden you just black out or you just get furious, furiously angry. Your adrenaline is through the roof. Your heart is racing like a million miles an hour from zero to 100. You're just taken off and you aren't in control over what's going on. Mm -hmm. What you can do in those situations is rehearse what you would want to do if that happened again. If I'm going into a situation and I know it's going to be really stressful, I can rehearse that situation ahead of time, rehearse it going bad. Imagine some, this bad thing happens to me. And then I imagine what's the good response I would want to have in that situation. 
whether that's maybe I forgive the person who's coming after me or I ask them a question or I take a deep breath and walk away. But that would be the quick tool I'd want you all to, to know is this rehearsal, rehearsing these situations where we know we're going to get really ticked off. Mm-hmm. Imagining those things and imagining what we would want or even better, what God would want us to do in that situation. Nice. And at this case, we're not necessarily trying to say, make the situation better. We're saying, don't be destructive. Right. Because this is a situation where normally I'd go off the handle, maybe start yelling at you, maybe start swinging. Who knows? I'm out of control. Road rage. Maybe I'm cutting people off on the highway. What's a better response I would want than you cut me off, I cut you back off. Like, how about I forgive the driver? Let it go. That's really cool. So that's a that that's a thought process technique or a thought process restoration or repair for the destructive thought process, learning about the amygdala and rehearsal. And a high self-esteem person would want to know that information because mm. this is the key to me preventing myself from being destructive in the future. Very cool. So that's how you that's how someone would look ahead and go, okay. Yeah. I want to repair this so that right. this doesn't happen. I don't want to be destructive when I trigger, right. when, when my amygdala fogs over the, the thinking center in my brain. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> out of control. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, uh, yeah. And that's a, again, I just want to pitch the restoration process for anyone who hasn't gone through that or figured it out. Um, Also, if you want to help other people figure out their triggers or learn how to do that, please reach out to us as well. And we'll help, help you get trained on how to do that too, because it is, it's one of these things where we've seen a lot of people, especially males handle their triggers well, handle these destructive behaviors well, and immediately the women in their life say wow he became a man yep he became a man because he learned how to not trigger or not you know fly off the handle whenever he gets pulled over or you know cut off when he's driving or you know shown where he's wrong shown where he's wrong or when something unfair happens and that's that's the response Yeah, because a a surefire way to make all the people in your life not feel safe is for you to trigger around them. Exactly. And what what these women are really saying about their guys is when things go bad and I still feel safe around him is when he's being a man. Yeah. Well said. So what's our ultimate answer, Pastor Joel? We can be, or we can go destructive. Everyone can. We all have the ability to go down that path. It's our responsibility as leaders to help people handle handle that right, the, the best way they can. One, confessing and repent when we do go destructive. And two, 
helping people determine what are the areas we will go destructive if the scenario, if a certain scenario happens and how can we prevent that from happening in the future? So it's confession and repentance and response and repair proactively. Awesome. So we don't need to avoid being destructive. We can rehearse handling destructive situations well. And then if we happen to do something destructive that we weren't planning, something comes out of us, then being a Christian means that we feel guilt. We feel bad. It doesn't, and it feels terrible when we do that destructive behavior. So the only way to get rid of that guilt and that pain is to confess and repent. Amen. And by the end of it, we'll be glad it happens and we'll all have something more. Yes. (laughs) With a full confession and full repentance. Again, this is great news. Yes, it is. (laughs) Great news for people who can go destructive. Which is all of us. Which is every human being. Great news for everybody. Great news for every human out there. Awesome. Well, thank you, Pastor Joel. Thank you to everyone who's listening. This has been the Music of Life Church podcast. If you have any questions or comments or you'd like to hear a certain topic, please let us know. We'll see you next time.